Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 14 of the Essential X Lapsed in uh, what might just be the shortest episode to date. And uh, that isn't an indictment on the quality of the story we're going to discuss today. It's a perfectly fine story. It's a perfectly fun story. It's just short. And there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to it. Um, and also, I mean, we don't even have the X-Men in this issue. We're just following a couple of our side characters here who, uh, well, in recent years have been kind of divorced from the X-Books and from mutantum in general. But uh, back in, you know, early 1965, late 1964, they were about as X-Men as you can get. So let's hop into a Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch story that appears in Strange Tales number 128. Now, this had a January 1965 cover date. The story is called, well, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Written and edited by Stan Lee. Pencils by Dick Ayers. Inks by Frank Ray. I don't think he's related to Frankie Ray. Uh, their, their last names are spelled differently, but it's still funny to say. Uh, Lead is Audie Simek. Colors, psh, who's on first? I don't know. Uh, cover price, 12 cents. And uh, this is just half of uh, Strange Tales here. This is the Human Torch and Thing portion of the book we'll be discussing. And we open with Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch having something of an argument regarding their futures. Now, we might assume that they're at Magneto's dilapidated mansion, you know, that one that's on the Windy Hill, uh, because the way this place is decorated, it kind of looks like it, but if we were to think that, we would be very much wrong. Anyway, the Maximoffs have been left alone. As Magneto, Mastermind, and Toad, maybe Astra too, they're out for the evening and won't be back till morning. Pietro decides that while the cat's away, they ought to boogie on out of there. Now Wanda isn't so sure, citing the fact that they both owe Magneto a tremendous debt. Now by now, Pietro's already got the suitcases packed and he's running toward the door. Um, And the only thing that can stop him is getting hexed by his own sister. So uh, a little bit of in-hexed? In-hexed on my show? Mm. Now, Wanda reminds him of that flashback that we saw a little while back. You know the one. The European village, Wanda's about to be strung up as a witch. Magneto swoops in to save her. Pietro reminds her that Magneto's goal is to destroy Homo sapiens. And, I I mean, I thought his goal was just finding out where the X-Men live. That seems to be what he does every time out. Anyway, Wanda then reminds him... A lot of reminding going on here, uh, that humans, and stop me if you heard this one before, uh, humans fear and hate mutants. And as such, maybe Magneto is right. So we gotta get that on a t-shirt stat. Pietro thinks about how they just need someone to help them. You know, make a good impression, shake that mutant stigma a little bit, and uh, he thinks of all the super homo sapiens that the Marvel Universe has to offer. And in his mind's eye, he sees Spider-Man, Captain America, Giant Man, Iron Man, Daredevil, and Thor. But he just doesn't know where to find them. You know, if only he knew, then maybe he could uh, check in with them and see if they can help him out. At this point, Wanda comes to the realization that, uh, you know what? There are some Marvel heroes whose address is public record. And it's at Kooky Quartet at the Baxter Building. And so, that's who they head off to see. And oh, uh, by the way, the Brotherhood is back on Island M, it would seem here. It's, it's an island of some sort. I'm going to assume it's Island M. From here, we jump over to the Baxter building where Johnny and Ben are going about their day. Johnny's on the phone with Dory while reading a comic book, and Benji is reading his fan mail from the Yancey Street gang. And uh, they accuse him of wearing a big blue diaper, and uh, I mean, they're not entirely wrong, are they? 
Uh, this causes Ben to stomp around and kind of tear the place up a bit. Johnny hangs up with Doris to attend to his pal and make sure to, you know, this place doesn't fall apart. Just then, a breaking news bulletin begins playing on the television. It's reported that the X-Men, who I feel I must remind you are currently being feared and or hated by Homo sapiens, they've released official photos of the members of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Quite how they took these photos, I couldn't tell you. And they're just headshots, by the way. As in, just heads, no, not even necks or anything. Well, Mastermind's photo does has, have his like trench coat lapel under his face, but he's the only one. The other ones are just floating heads. So maybe we had a police sketch artist do these, I don't know. Anyway, the reporter urges the public to be on the lookout for the extremely powerful and bent-on-world domination Evil Mutants. And we probably don't need a roll call, but what the hell, right? The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants includes Magneto, Toad, Mastermind, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch. Johnny suggests that they help out their pals the X-Men by tracking down some evil mutants. And Ben and Johnny then reminisce a bit about the times they've met the X-Men in the past. First, how they fought them when the mutants were carrying out the Puppet Master and Mad Thinker's plan. That was uh, back in Fantastic Four number 28, which we discussed in Essential Episode 9. Then, that time that Johnny and Kid Cool teamed up to save that boat full of swinging teenagers from Captain Barracuda, which happened in Strange Tales number 120, which we discussed in Essential Episode 8. Now, Ben says he's up for the hunt and asks if he ought to go fetch his butterfly net. From here, we shift downstairs to the lobby where two conspicuously trench-coated individuals are trying to secure a meeting with the Fantastic Four. The security guards down there, well, they're not keen on this idea of having the FF get a pop-in and suggest that these two just make an appointment. And so Wanda hexes a nearby emergency fire hose and wraps the rent-a-cops up. And one of them's like, eh, whatever, the Fantastic Four can handle these two. And the other immediately knows that they were just hexed by the Scarlet Witch, which might just stretch my ability to suspend disbelief more than anything else we're going to see today. Seconds later, so Stanley double time, Quicksilver runs into Ben and Johnny's area, which, you know, might not be the best way to go about the whole we come in peace sort of visit, you know, using your mutant power to run in like a blaze. Anyway, Johnny recognizes Pietro as the Brotherhood's resident speedster and immediately flames on. And, you know, likely making quite the mess for damage control to have to deal with. Though, I mean, this is what we're paying them for. Johnny isn't content with just burning up one corner of the room, and so he proceeds to hurl some fireballs in Quicksilver's direction. They all miss, because, you know, Pietro is very fast. Ben then winds up and prepares to punch Pietro as he runs by, but he winds up getting hexed by the witch. And instead of punching Pietro, he punches some nearby machinery, which then topples over on top of Wanda, so I guess that probably could have gone smoother. Pietro rushes over to his fallen sister, prompting the two-in-one gang to realize, hey, you know what? Maybe this Quicksilver isn't all bad. I mean, after all, would a bad guy really turn his back on them to, you know, in a fight to check on his sister? Well, maybe, but for the purposes of this scene, you know, heck no. Well, now Pietro's pissed, right? He's really annoyed, and so he, well, he does what he does. He runs around a lot. Were you expecting him to do anything else? Uh, Johnny resumes fireballing him, and naturally, they all miss. Ben goes to punch Pietro again. Now this time, the speedster grabs Ben's fist and proceeds to spin him around in circles, making the ever-loving, whirly-eyed thing rather dizzy. He then runs tight circles around Johnny, which causes like an air vortex suction thing, driving the torch into bonking his flaming head on the ceiling, thus spreading the fire that damage control is going to have to deal with to an entire other floor. Pietro then tells the fellas that he and his sister came in peace. 
Johnny and Ben ain't buying it, and I mean, considering the way this meeting has gone, I mean, can you blame them? Now, Pietro tries to explain their situation. However, before he can, Johnny has trapped him in a flaming net, like a cage made out of flame. Ben then puts on a very convenient asbestos suit, inside which he is able to walk through Johnny's flames to confront Quicksilver. Ben then winds up again and punches Pietro as hard as he can in the face. The only problem here is the asbestos suit caused old Benji to unwittingly pull his punch, so it doesn't even knock Quicksilver to the ground. Meanwhile, Wanda is awakened by the raging inferno that has overtaken this entire floor of the Baxter building. And so she hexes Ben's asbestos suit, and then she causes a storm to begin, during which a torrential downpour comes whooshing into the building through a now-open window, which it seems perhaps a bit overcomplicated, but what are you going to do? Now, once the dust, flames, and water settles, Pietro runs to his sister and proclaims that maybe Magneto is right. As they're feared and hated by Homo sapiens, they can also never trust them. Basically, this whole thing was a bad idea. And yeah, you know, I agree for many reasons. The Maximoffs then leave the Baxter building, and Ben and Johnny just let them go. Johnny suggests that Reed would have done the same. And well, after another Yancey Street gang mention, we are out of here. Next episode, we're going to uh, introduce one of my very least favorite places in the Marvel Universe. We are going to go back to the flagship X-Men book, and we are going to visit the Savage Land. But we'll worry about that later. (laughs) Right now, let's talk about, well, what little there is to talk about in this Strange Tales outing here with uh, Wanda and Pietro. Yeah, I, I was considering not even including this because... A, I mean, the X-Men are only there for a cameo panel and a flashback, and B, I don't know how I don't know how much we associate Wanda and Pietro with the X-Men, especially nowadays, and C, I just didn't think there'd be a whole lot to say, and indeed, there really isn't. All we really get here that we can chat about is the fact that these two, I mean, they're conflicted, right? That's something we've been discussing since, since X-Men number four. You know, they don't seem like full-blown villains, and that's been noticed by quite a few people. Uh, not Ben and Johnny. <laughs> I guess they uh, they consider them villains, but they, they don't know them as well as we do, so I guess we can I guess we can excuse that. But what we see here is that Wanda and Pietro, they they're not villains, right? They're in a bad situation. They're caught between a rock and a hard place with this feeling of obligation to Magneto for saving Wanda from being, you know, burned or tied or whatever whatever the hell was going to happen to her in that uh, in that European village back in the long ago. But here is the first time that they're proactively trying to turn over a new leaf. And in that respect, this is a fairly seminal story, right? Um, we know that they will go on to join the Avengers. They're not going to join the X-Men, which I think a lot of uh, letter hacks in the X-Men letters page are going to be a little bit disappointed by. But, you know, plenty are going to be pretty pleased, too, because... That's another thing that's coming up in those letters pages is, you know, the fans really, really like uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and they're pretty conflicted as well as to whether or not they should join the X-Men. You know, they people have suggested they join, but people have also suggested that they, they go out on their own. They do their own thing. Maybe they get their own one half of a book, right? You know, we've got all these halvesy stories here uh, back in the mid-60s with the tales of books and uh, and strange tales as well. This little story will be the closest these two will get to getting their own you know, series, right? And it was a perfectly fine outing, though 
And this is most definitely an X-lapsed problem. You know, the fact that we are covering these in such quick succession and we're spending so much time analyzing stories that maybe don't lend themselves to analysis, right? We're spending a lot of time with these things, so the fact that we have Wanda and Pietro conflicted all the time, it feels like it's draining on us, but... Again, that might be an X-lapsed problem. I, I'm almost 100% sure it is, because if you were reading these month to month or by month to by month, you need these bits to remind you of who these characters are. And if you don't read the X-Men and you are a Fantastic Four, I don't know if there were completionists back in 1964, 1965, but let's assume there were. And if you're buying everything with a Fantastic Four character in it, then stands to reason that this might be the first time you're meeting Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, so... It works to to give the quick and dirty on who they are, where they're coming from, um, flesh them out a little bit here, show that they are, you know, the like the prototypical shades of gray character in the uh, in the early Marvel universe. So, with all that said, I think this story worked as well as it's uh, going to work. Now, what's more, we have uh, Johnny and Ben just attacking Pietro and Wanda, right? Of course, they did, you know, force themselves into the building, which is probably not what you want to do. But this is another indictment on the thing we've been talking about, I think, most episodes of late, that these stories, these stories that we're reading here, would not happen if the characters took a second to talk. Right? We saw it with the Fantastic Four confrontation, we've seen it with the Avengers confrontation, and now we're seeing it again here, where it's just like, if they took two seconds to talk... Well, we wouldn't have a fight scene, but in this, in the case of this story, we wouldn't have had anything because the entire story is basically a fight scene. Now, this isn't me saying that we shouldn't have these fight scenes because that's kind of the uh, the order of the day for you know the uh, the mid '60s. It's kind of the story you're going to get. But as like a value added thing uh, for this fight in particular, it drove the point home to uh, Pietro and Wanda that maybe Magneto's right. You know, maybe Magneto is right not to trust these humans, uh, superpowered or otherwise. I mean, it's kind of a tunnel vision way of looking at it, because as as mentioned, Wanda and Pietro were uh, trespassing at the time, which might inspire a more physical uh, response than had they you know, maybe made a phone call or sent a letter. Uh, they're going to send a letter to the Avengers pretty soon, so we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, and the letter works a whole lot better than just uh, barging in on a, a team at home. Anyway, I think that's probably all I got to say about this story. There, Like I said, there really, really isn't much to it, despite the fact that it is somewhat seminal. Um, we do have Dick Ayers on pencils here. I can't recall if this is the first time we're covering a Dick Ayers penciled book on the show. And, you know, you look at it quick, and, uh, I mean, it's not too different from Kirby's stuff here, which is probably... You know, par for the course for Marvel at the time. They probably want to make sure they have a fairly distinct house style. I mean, outside of uh, Ditko, who is kind of kind of out there uh, compared to Kirby. But perfectly solid stuff. Worth uh, worth spending five minutes on your Marvel Unlimited app to uh, take in and enjoy. It's uh, As we say here on the show, it's not going to rock your socks, but it's also not going to set them on fire. It's just another uh, another layer of the story for us to follow. So... I enjoyed taking a look at it. I hope you guys did as well. Um, let's hop into the mailbag here. We don't do the letters page on on the you know the off the beaten path books, right? We don't look at the strange tales or the Fantastic Four letters pages because, frankly, we don't have the context, right? Uh, we talk about the X Men ones because we can relate back to stuff we've already discussed here. 
So let's get into our mailbag here. We got one letter from our friend Billy. He's talking about Essential Episodes 11 and 12. He says, hey, Chris, I really enjoyed these two episodes. Speaking on Thor, because this was a Journey into Mystery episode, if you can get your hands on the Essential volumes or reprints at a decent cost, definitely grab them. To me, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and Thor were the top three books at Marvel in the early to mid-Silver Age by far. Kirby's imagination was on full display on Thor. And, yeah, you know, I've, I've flipped through, and even on the uh, Unlimited app here, uh, there's, there's a lot of, like... I've mentioned that I'm not a huge Kirby fan. You know, I could kind of take or leave him. I don't have a strong opinion on his art. It's I can appreciate it for um, how important it is. Uh, and there are times I even like it. But uh, there, there are also times where it's just like, okay, this is very workmanlike, you know. And, and of course, it was workmanlike. Kirby had a lot on his plate, so I definitely can appreciate and respect that. But it wasn't often that I was dazzled by his work, you know. It, it's a rarity where you can, where, where I can look at a Kirby page and be like, wow, you know, that's wild stuff. And you're right. In Thor, um, Kirby might have shined. Brightest on Thor Uh, There's just some amazing stuff there The entire concept Still doesn't speak to me Um, I mean I do have Unlimited so there's no reason Why I can't you know dip in And experience some seminal Thor If if anybody out there Billy Yourself included if you have any Thor stories That you think I gotta read you know If you were to point to This story is what Will get you into Thor you know Send it my way. You know, let me know where where to go, and I will. Uh, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, I really have no excuse not to, right? Um, now, uh, Billy continues. The character of Eunice the Untouchable is a far cry from Elliot Ness and the boys, but some of the shenanigans made me laugh a lot. So consider me entertained by the simplistic storytelling. And yeah, we talked about Eunice the Untouchable in uh, X Men uh, number eight, and that was a weird episode because there was this like odd, odd thing happened in the middle of it that uh. I, I don't even really remember what it was so much. Um, I just saw that my recording was very strange, and a few people reached out to ask about it. They were confused by something that happened in it, and I don't know what they're talking about. I have no idea. But for the Eunice bits here, yeah, Eunice is, uh, I mean, he's not wildly interesting, but I do like the way they dealt with him here. It was a very smart, it was like a work smarter, not harder sort of way, but in a... Very bizarre Silver Age uh, context where, like, Beast, (laughs) as we talked about during that episode, Beast creates this machine that, by all rights, should change everything. You know, this thing should be on Krakoa somewhere in the the current year books because he can amplify a mutant's power and he can turn off a mutant's power with this this machine. Um, Amazing. The fact that... We don't ever see this thing again, at least as far as I can remember. I mean, they're going to be attacked by Magneto at least another 7,000 times. And Beast doesn't think to, like, hit him with the uh, with the ray. You know, even if he just amps up Magneto's power, Magneto will crush himself, you know, under metal. <laughs> he'll, he won't be able to control it. Or if he turns it down, he'll be, you know, no threat at all. But we don't see it again, at least as far as I know. I could be wrong. I could very well be wrong that Beast's mutant device might show up Sometime down the line, I don't know But it's just so strange to me that um, Outside of the Brotherhood, right All the X-Men outings That don't have to do with Magneto End with the bad guy just walking away You know, it's like we see a shot of their back Being like, oh, I'm never gonna deal with this crap again Yeah, we The Vanisher, he was mind-wiped 
you know, the blob was mind wiped and then he was just dejected. And he's like, screw the mutants, I'm done. Here, Eunice is you know, similar. He's like, uh, you know, I, I'll just go back to being a wrestler. And he slump shoulderedly walks away. It's almost a trope now with these X Men stories where they all end with someone walking away and you can hear the sad music, right? Is it the. Uh, I never watched the Incredible Hulk TV show, but I, I know there's like a meme, you know, where it's like the sad Hulk music plays when someone walks away and then the X-Men stand around and uh, congratulate themselves. It's, it's as you mentioned, it's simplistic storytelling, but it works, right? It works. It's silly. It's funny. It's, I, I almost wish we had a few more pages of Eunice like trying to eat a steak, you know? <laughs> we saw the steak fly away from him, but I would love for him to like just... Just chase a steak like he's, you know, Pac-Man gobbling up uh, a power pellet, you know, just trying to trying to chase this thing down. It, I think it would have been funny. Anyway, Billy wraps up with, as always, thanks for chugging along with this project. Well, thank you so much for sticking with this project. Um, these projects are niche, which makes it incredibly difficult to not only find, but to maintain a, an audience and a listenership So it really does mean so much to me That you're you're out there And everybody's out there who is out there So thank you so, so much um, Now if anybody else would like to write in And chat about the Silver Age X-Men Or anything in general You can do so You can find me several different ways On Twitter, I'm at Ace Comics Instagram, 90s X-Men You can call into the X-Last hotline at 623-396-JERK for blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com where uh, we're just shy of 2,000 days of daily content, which is kind of mind-blowing because it feels like just yesterday I was doing Action Comics 1000 for the 1,000th uh, installment. It's Time is a uh, crazy, crazy thing, isn't it? But yes, just shy of 2,000 days in a row of Comics content over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com Thank you to everybody who still pops in there from time to time Which uh, ain't many people, but uh, I appreciate everybody who does You can join us on Facebook, we're at 90s X-Men That's our little group We have fun X-related conversations in there each and every day And I would love to see you guys there Finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comics commentary needs You can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com Available everywhere the internet aggregates noise and if while you're there, you like what you hear, or at least appreciate the effort that goes into it each and every day, just shy, uh, just a couple months shy of an entire year of daily podcasts, which uh, don't know why that's important to me, but uh, when life refuses to give you milestones, you, you're left to make them yourself. So there you go. Anyway, if while you're there, or you appreciate the effort behind it, I would love for you to spread the word, share the show, maybe tell a friend or two, and ask them to do the same if I... Uh, if they're into comics, if they're into X-Men, if they just want to hear some uh, idiot from Brooklyn babble. Uh, maybe that's a, a sleep aid for some people. I'll take any listen I can get. If you if you just want to go to sleep, that's fine. I won't take it personally. But I think that's all we got for today. This episode went far longer than I thought it would. We broke 20 minutes. I didn't think we'd break 10. <laughs> How about that? That said, I would like to thank you all so, so much for giving me these 20-odd minutes today. I really, really appreciate it. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.